Hi, this is Randy, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains, where real scientists answer your beauty questions for Tuesday, April 8th, 2014. Welcome to our show on anti-aging ingredients. I'm Randy Schuler, and I'm here in the studio with my co-host, Perry Romanowski. Hey, Perry. Hello, Randy. How's it going? Good. Hey, uh, you know, way back in episode 14, which was at the beginning of 2014, um, sure. you told our audience about a certain challenge you set up for yourself, and it's it's something you work on every single day of the year, and now that it's April, I thought it you know might be nice for you to give us a quick update, and of course... You know I'm talking about the Perry Romanowski push-up bra challenge. <laughs> it's not a push-up bra. It's actually push-ups. <laughs> what? And in, you know, push-ups where you get on the ground and you push yourself up. Oh, I, I, was, I was thinking about something completely different. But well, <laughs> So how does that work? <laughs> the push-up bra challenge? I do not know. But the push-up <laughs> challenge is where you do the number of push-ups as the number of days of the year. Oh, so what are you up to now? Well, we're coming up on the 100th day of the year, so it'll be 100 push-ups. And you do all those in a single day? Well, I try to get them all in a single day. Yeah, I, I can't do them all in a single roll. I, I used to be able to, like back in the 70s, you know, <laughs> way back in March I could do that. But uh, now it's getting a little tougher, so I break them up in a couple. But, it's, you know, it's all about heart healthy and, you know, my goal of doing all of these physical things, like I run every day and, um, you know, I try to eat healthy, but it's all about living for a long time. So just to be clear then, it has nothing to do with lingerie. <laughs> no, it's a longevity. I can I see s- how you mixed that two up. Uh, you know, I sometimes I barely pay attention to what you're saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, uh, should we have a little uh, beauty science news? Well, yeah, speaking of uh, Fountain of Youth, yeah, let's talk about this beauty science news. Yeah, I saw this article. Uh, actually, I, I came across it in my news feed uh, for paranormal phenomena. You know, I, I like, oh, really? try, yeah, I track like, uh, you know, UFO stuff and Bigfoot sightings and all that stuff. I, I get a kick out of that. And uh, you know, you know, that's actually my full name, paranormal. <laughs> ah, that's good. See, see Perry, but Perry. yeah, no, I, I, I get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so in my, my news feed for that uh, topic, I saw this story about this, uh, the case of the fashion billionaire and the fountain of youth. Uh, so I thought that would be interesting to talk about. Apparently, it's this uh, 70-year-old uh, Peter Nygaard, I guess you pronounce it. And he says that stem cell treatments are making him younger. So he's, uh, apparently, he, uh, the quote is that he's taking perhaps more stem cell treatments than anybody else in the world. He says, I've been doing it for four years now, and I'm a testimonial that this stem cell uh, treatment really works. And according to him, there's a, a study out of the University of Miami that suggests he is getting younger and that they're actually measuring some sort of biomarkers uh, to, to show that he is reversing his age. So, wow. Uh, wow. Sounds kind of crazy, well, huh? Well, first of all, I, I also stumbled on this article, but... Uh... It came in my news feeds because I have alerts for sciencey things like stem cells. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's a good angle to go science. <laughs> and yeah, science. It works. Um, that that should be like the new slogan for science. Science. It, it works. works. <laughs> Maybe I should start a company. Uh, but 
and the other thing is, you know, remember way back in a couple shows ago, we were talking about stem cells, and and stem cells have sort of impinged the cosmetic uh, marketer's uh, lexicon, right? And so, uh, <laughs> how many thesaurus words can I throw into a single sentence? Uh, no, so uh, there are a lot of uh, cosmetic science lines that say they, they have stem cells and... Uh, so, but as you recall, we, you know, stem cells are those cells inside everybody who, and actually inside almost all organisms that uh, have the potential to become any other kind of cell. So, you know, your heart cells are, and brain cells, they all have the same DNA material, but they've differentiated, so they express different genes, so they become different things. Stem cells can be anything. They haven't they are that's before they've differentiated and right and they can also produce more of themselves exactly yeah, without the uh, without that programmed cell death problem <laughs> um so this guy i i can't figure what he's doing I, was he taking stem cell injections i guess i think so i mean i i, I didn't get the sense he's just using like a, a topical cream or lotion it must be some sort of uh internal treatment yeah because you know we know those those topical things really don't work. Right. Um, and it still amuses me that people put apple stem cells on their skin. <laughs> well, I, I suppose if you wanted to grow bark on your, <laughs> yourself. It's all natural. Sure. <laughs> now, I wonder if this story is even for real. I mean, is there this fashion guru? Uh, you're thinking the whole thing is a hoax? You know, it's the internet. You never know what's going to be true on the internet. No. I mean, let's let's just assume that it's it's true. He's a resident of the Bahamas, and they showed a picture of an old dude who looks youthful. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, it's reversing his age. It it all seems very. Uh, I'm I'm a little skeptical. Although I have to say, I'm not skeptical of the idea that eventually there will be some sort of. Uh, cosmetic treatment stem cell treatment you know a cosmetic thing uh first because of course it's it would be a huge uh huge market say you could take stem cells from your younger self save them up and inject them back into your body mm -hmm. when you're older and i mean you know even with your skin you know skin over time it it starts to sag and you lose collagen elasticity and stuff and sure and I suppose if you had, if you could inject some of your more youthful stem cells, you could kind of rebuild that, you know, collagen structure, perhaps. Hmm. Um, so this might be like the future of, I don't know, like Botox type kind of treatments like that. So you're saying you think it, it's it may be possible someday, but the technology doesn't currently exist. So. Yeah, the technology of stem cell is just not nearly far enough along. But the thing that I think is uh, makes this technology even semi-promising is that the market, if, if this actually did work, the, and it's, it's plausible that it could work, um, the market would be huge, right? And so there is there would be incentive for uh, companies to you know put billions of dollars in research behind it to actually do it. Uh, unlike things like uh, you know ne neglected diseases where people are dying, for, you know, but. <laughs> Poor people are dying, so pharmaceutical companies don't really care because they don't have any money. But rich people would want this. So, sadly, this is probably where research dollars would go. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose 
you know, we could have looked into this uh, University of Miami study to see what sort of markers they were measuring. Uh, you know, if we could find that report online. I, frankly, I was too busy reading the next article about Bigfoot's love child. <laughs> but I suppose you could look into that study and see if there's anything behind it. So I don't know. <laughs> wow. I heard they got some hairs from Bigfoot, you know. <laughs> yeah, I saw that story, too. I have yet to see the follow up uh, if they've, you know done the dna research to determine what they actually found but they uh they did find some purported evidence they they found the bigfoot and his pet chupacabra <laughs> <laughs> love the chupacabra i think we're i think we're uh falling off of our core audience here <laughs> so perhaps perhaps we could move on to the question all right we do have a question of the week uh and this one comes from cindy hi randy and perry this is cindy i was wondering if Active ingredients in cleansers like alpha hydroxy acids, salicylic acid, vitamin C, uh, if they really do anything in a cleanser or if all the good stuff just gets rinsed down the drain and nothing is left on your skin. Thanks. That's an excellent question uh, and very uh, astute, you know, because, uh, you know, when you see something like a cleanser, when it's going to claim that it does something, um, but it's supposed to wash away something. <laughs> right. It well, seems it's, they seem sort of diametrically opposed to be able to leave something behind but wash everything off, right? It uh, you know it reminds me of the challenges that we face when you're uh, formulating a two-in-one shampoo, right? It's the same idea. You want to um, clean the hair, but you also want to leave behind some conditioning agents. Right. Um, I always I always called it you know you wanted to leave clean dirt. Right. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, washing and leaving, yeah, making yeah. your hair dirty while you wash it. <laughs> right. So we, I mean, and we know that's possible. So it's as um, diametrically opposed as it sounds, at least in some cases. You know, in the case of a two-in-one shampoo, it certainly works. So you know, does that same principle apply to facial uh, facial cleansers? That's a great question. Yeah, and and certainly there are ways, there are technologies that. Uh, can apply. So let's just go through some of those technology of, of, of how we clever cosmetic chemists, or <laughs> at least we cosmetic chemists, uh, have figured out how to uh, deposit stuff onto the surface while also cleaning the surface. All right. And probably the first way is what we call coacervation or a, a dilution deposition method. And so what this is, is when you have your cleansing uh, formula, you have your essentially your conditioning or moisturizing ingredient or the ingredient you want to deposit there. Mm -hmm. And it is has limited solubility in um, in that solution. And so what what makes it soluble is that it has, uh, you know, the surfactants in there make it soluble. Right. But what happens when you are using the product, you start to add water to that system and that dilutes it out. And as it dilutes out, it becomes less soluble, and the structure that was keeping it all together breaks down. And as that breaks down, all of the insoluble or water-incompatible materials are deposited on the surface. And voila, you're left with uh, a, a surface that has stuff still on it, even though it's been rinsed away. The surfactants have been rinsed away. Right. So if you've got something that's um, that's hydrophobic, so that doesn't like to be in water, and the only reason it's um, suspended in the product is, like you said, because of the surfactant matrix, and as that you know becomes diluted with more water, that um, hydrophobic material tends to not want to stay in the rinse water. It, it would like to find a more uh, like substance to attract to. So in the case of hair and skin, those are um, 
less hydrophilic than the water itself. So that's going to drive those materials to try and stay behind on hair and skin versus just getting rinsed down the drain. Now, that works well for materials that are not water soluble. So there, you know, are there's a, a limit, right? Because there are some active ingredients like vitamin C that are water soluble. So that wouldn't work in this type of system. Right, water soluble stuff just will sort of go away. Right, because it's it likes to be in the water. There's nothing to drive it out of the solution onto your hair or skin. It's perfectly content just to be surrounded by water molecules, which is going to tend to flush it away. It, it, incidentally, I think it's cute how you anthropomorphize the molecules and say what they like <laughs> and don't like. It's, it's like, hey, we should have like the bachelor for water molecules, <laughs> different molecules. Sorry, I just I just am trying to still get over that uh, Juan Pablo. Uh, debacle on the bachelor last season <laughs> I, I actually have not I, I must have missed that oh it was a fascinating show which i'm sure a lot of our audience watches perhaps you should tune into uh, you know the pop culture of the beauty <laughs> world and speaking of pop culture there's also the encapsulation route so yeah so water soluble ingredients are not uh, easily delivered through that dilution deposition method. Um, fortunately, there's a second approach to uh, delivering active ingredients from a cleanser system, and that's the encapsulation route. Uh, and, you know, that's, as the name implies, you're, you're encapsulating or putting the ingredients in a capsule, uh, and then that capsule is what is suspended in the, in the cleanser matrix in this case. Uh, so, you're, you know, the idea is you're using like a little shell or a vesicle uh, and that serves three purposes, right? It First of all, it suspends the active in the delivery medium. So you want something that, mm -hmm. that keeps it you know, floating in the, in the cleanser. It shields the active ingredient from any kind of interaction with other ingredients. So it protects it. And then thirdly, and most importantly in this case, it deposits that active on the substrate in such a way that it remains after rinsing. So it, uh, the capsules can actually have a little bit of a charge to them uh, which in the case of hair care works very well because damaged hair has a negative charge. So the more positive charge you can put on something, the more likely it will be to stick behind. Uh, I don't think the, the charge differential on skin is as great, but I, the same principle still applies, right? There's still proteins that are going to have some charge residue. Right. So you can, you know, charge interaction is always helpful to bind materials to, to a protein substrate, both hair and, and skin are proteins. Um, now, I mean, the problem is there's, you know, thousands of different ingredients you can use to form these capsules. So it's not like we can, um, you know, go through each type of those in, in today's show. But you'll see ingredients like phospholipids, which are uh, good encapsulating materials. Polymers, and those are used more often for water-soluble. Because you can do, uh, depending on the, the, the form of the capsule, you can encapsulate water-soluble or oil-soluble materials. Right. Uh, and then even silicones can be used as encapsulates. So... It's uh, unfortunately it's tough just from looking at the uh, the ingredient list to tell if there's an encapsulating material or not. But to the eye of a trained cosmetic com uh, chemist, you can usually pick it out. And the other point about these encapsulates is they can be the systems can be so small that you can't see them. Oh, that's um, a good point. Yeah, I'm not talking about. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. You know, you'll see some products on the shelf that have little beads that are visible, uh, and that is one type of encapsulation. Those are typically gelatin capsules. And right. those are, are more for show than anything else. Those are not typically the type that you use to deposit on hair or skin. Uh, yeah, typically those are just, they're too strong that they don't break open. And, right, exactly. Yeah. And, and they're, too, they're, they're too large and, and you, 
you wouldn't want those big globs sticking to your hair or skin anyway, right? right. So, right. so yeah, the ones we're talking about are are nearly microscopic, and you you could have a even a clear product that still uses some sort of encapsulation. But it's the same kind of principle. It, you can think of these encapsulates as like a, an egg, right? And it has an egg shell, yeah. and then when the yeah. when the shell is broken, the stuff comes out, and that's what gets deposited on your hair. Yeah, yeah, excellent analogy. Or skin, uh, yeah. Um, all right, so those are just a couple of different ways that uh, we can deliver stuff to the surface while cleaning. Um, but now the question is, can you go to the store with this knowledge and find products um, that are going to work like this? Uh, just by looking at, say, the ingredient listing. Uh, unfortunately, um, these are kind of technical science and it's going to depend on the specific concentration and the way that they're they're created and so unfortunately neither of these ways uh, these methods could you look at the ingredient list and tell whether they are actually working yeah. um, and one of the one of the reasons is that a lot of times the ingredients that are responsible for this these types of uh, deposition delivery systems they can be multi multifunctional and they can serve other purposes in the formula so just because you know there's phospholipids in there doesn't mean that it's been put in there in a way to encapsulate materials yeah um, you'll see like um, acrylate polymers uh, can often be used to encapsulate materials but they're also used as thickeners in certain systems so it's it's very tough just looking at the label to say oh there's an acrylate polymer therefore it, it must be encapsulating something it's it's really not possible to do that right and additionally you know as you said, every delivery system will not work with every ingredient. Uh, phospholipids uh, encapsulate, uh, phospholipid encapsulates can't really deliver, say, water-loving ingredients like vitamin C. Right. And really, so the best you can do when, you, when you're looking for like, a delivery system is look for a reputable brand, reputable brand uh, which can give you, which also says some indication of how it works. So if it says in the label copy that the there's encapsulates, or um, then you can be more confident that that's really what's going on. Right. If if um, and you know not to suggest you can believe everything you read on the label, but if it's uh, if it's a major you know beauty company putting out the product and it says something about an encapsulated delivery mechanism, you can probably trust what they say. If it's some you know fly by night small internet brand, I'd be a little more suspicious. Right, and and actually, you know, at least in the United States, it is, you know, technically illegal to blatantly lie in any kind of advertising. So, you know. Well, but the, well, I'm not. Yeah, I guess I'm not. I'm less worried about the blatant lies than I am just uh, a reference to some sort of encapsulating material that doesn't really deliver the material in the way that it should. But you know, yeah, it does have the encapsulate in there, but it doesn't do anything. So you're going to be less likely to see that from a major brand. Right. Great point. Now, we talked about the possibility of delivering ingredients from, uh, you know, a skin wash. Uh, now, what kind of stuff can actually be delivered from that? And so why don't we go through the types of ingredients that can actually be delivered, uh, you know, from cleansing products? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's, there's evidence that a number of ingredients can work this way. And uh, I thought we'd start with anti-acne ingredients and um, I, I think that might be where Cindy's question comes from because, you know, Paula Bagan, the, the cosmetic cop and a, a, and a friend of the show, and we're a big fan of, um, of everything that Paula does. But, you know, she's on record as saying, and, and I'm quoting here, that 
2% salicylic acid, which is good for acne, is useless in a rinse-off product. Uh, and I think enough people have seen that quote that it's raised some suspicion in their mind about, you know, the ability to deliver actives from cleansers. So I just wonder if maybe Cindy heard that quote and that, uh, that's what prompted her to, to, uh, to send in a question. Right. Um, so, okay, so I, I see where Paul is coming from on this, and I certainly agree that without the right delivery system, sal acid is worthless in a cleanser. So it does, it has to meet one of those uh, encapsulate criteria or dilution deposition criteria before it's going to work effectively. Uh, but there is evidence that with the right delivery system, you can deposit sal acid from a rinse-off product. And uh, I found a paper that talks about uh, delivering sal acid from a cleanser using acrylate polymers. And I'll, I'll put that link in the show notes if anybody wants to take a look at that. And then I've seen a study that, that admittedly was published by the company that sells the, um, the encapsulates, but they've proven that you can increase deposition and adhesion of sal acid to skin uh, using their particular capsule. Uh, and then also I've, I've seen evidence for other acne drugs like, um, like a 5% benzoyl peroxide in a cleanser and even a 2% resorcinol. So, I mean, based on what we've seen, if you get the system right, you can deliver anti-acne actives. Right, so anti-acne cleansers are, you know, you should see some benefit from that. Another type of ingredient that you can deliver from a system is uh, um, fluoride. So we know that fluoride can be delivered, you know, from toothpaste, right? Uh, so anti-cavity anti actives can be delivered. Uh, now, putting an anti-cavity uh, uh, ingredient on your skin, <laughs> no, it's going to be terribly helpful. But this, we are a beauty product show, and uh, you know, toothpaste would be considered a beauty product. So, um, the way that this works is that uh, fluorine, fluoride, sorry, it uh, more easily sticks to the the tooth enamel, uh, and that's been attacked by the acid-producing bacteria, and so. It'll, it'll stick to there and it'll block the spot where the bacteria can live and produce that. And that's the way that fluoride works. And it's deposited on there because it, uh, you know, positives and negatives attract. And so uh, fluorine is the positive charge on fluorine is attracted to the negative charge on your uh, damaged enamel. And that that's uh, sort of that uh, electrostatic interaction is what is responsible for the deposition of that ingredient. So the, because fluoride is a negative charge, right? So I went, so uh, does, does... Did I say positive? Yeah, no, 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 you, no, you didn't say the charge. I'm just, I'm just ah, speculating. So normally gotcha. with, with hair, for example, the hair has a, the, the, the damage spots has an, have a negative charge. And so your right. conditioning agent has a positive charge. This is kind of the, the opposite of that, right? The, the, the bacterially damaged spots on tooth enamel must have a positive charge for this to work. Right. It, yeah, exactly. And uh, so the fluoride offsets that and yeah. prevents the prevents the cavities. Oh, interesting. Um, let's see. I know that um, there are some anti-aging ingredients that will work in uh, the same way as well. So you'll see things like, um, you know, vitamins in cleansers, right? You'll see vitamin C and E. You'll see niacinamide. Uh, you'll see things like hyaluronic acid, right, and all different anti-aging ingredients. Um, now, there's there's less evidence that these will deposit. 
Uh, and in fact, the only the, the exception that I could find some data on is that vitamin C can be delivered from silicone vesicles. And these are based on um, polyethylene glycol 12-dimethicone. That's the specific encapsulating ingredient. I'll put a, a link to that paper in the show notes as well. Now, presumably, since vitamin C is, is water-soluble, if uh, these capsules can be used to deliver that, perhaps it could be used to deliver some other things like, I guess, like hyaluronic acid. But I couldn't find much evidence in the literature of you know, proof where people have, um, have delivered those other anti-aging ingredients. So be a little more skeptical on those. Yes. Uh, then there's the anti-dandruff ingredients. And, uh, you know, dandruff shampoos, these are over-the-counter drugs. And so as an, as an over-the-counter drug, that they require more proof that they actually work. And these things do actually work. So actives like uh, coal tar, ketoconazole, uh, sal acid, selenium sulfide, zinc pyrithione, uh, they will deposit from a rinse-off system. Now, keep in mind that the conditions required to deposit on hair are not necessarily those of uh, the same as those for depositing on skin. So, um, and that's a good thing, just because you, you don't want the uh, residual anti-dandruff stuff sticking to your skin. Yeah, it's interesting. Like when you use a like a conditioning shampoo, your hair will feel pretty nice and slick, right? But you don't really feel that on your skin. So clearly, there's a different. Um, absorption or, or a deposition mechanism that goes on there. Yeah. Um, another category where there's proven efficacy for uh, actives from a leave-on product, a rinse-off product, would be uh, antibacterials uh, or antimicrobial products. Uh, you know, there are a number of antibacterial wash products on the market. Now, not all of these require things to be deposited. For example, a, a high alcohol system kills bacteria on content, so you don't need to leave anything behind. But there are antimicrobials like benzalkonium chloride that um, has a positive charge to it, so that could uh, could deposit on your skin. Right, and anytime you need like a long-lasting effect, then it does have to be left yeah, behind. Yeah, no, good point. Alcohol just has an instant kill, but there's no residual effect from from it because it's gone. Right. Now, while cleansing products are designed to remove oils, uh, moisturizing oils are some of the best ingredients. Uh, uh, to provide benefits to the skin. Now, oils are relatively easy to deposit on the skin. You can, you can use surfactants and bilayers and polymers and, and non-ionic non capsules. Um, if, for example, P&G, the good folks over at P&G, have patented uh, technology that can deliver petrolatum from a body wash, and we've actually seen studies showing that Plant oils, such as jojoba, sunflower, and soybean, they can also be delivered as well. And so that's following the dilution deposition system. One of the challenges with, with that when you're formulating oils into a cleansing product is that the oils will naturally reduce the amount of foam. And so it's harder to convince people that the products are cleaning when there's less foam. That makes sense. Uh, and then finally, you can even deliver... UV absorbers from a cleansing product. Um, and this one, for some reason, is sort of the most surprising to me, I guess. Um, but uh, there's a company called Aquia Scientific, and they have a patent on this technology. Uh, it can be found in uh, the Freeze 20, uh, the Freeze 24-7 line uses it. Um, it. It does really work. It has limitations, um, but it works by encapsulating the sunscreen and incorporating a cationic polymer to create some degree of charge deposition. Uh, and you can actually get uh, some minor degree of UV protection from a cleansing product. Yeah. I was always skeptical of that one. 
And actually, I've learned of another one, which I'm a little skeptical of, but it's a it's a dilution deposition idea. But Aviva Labs has come out with this product that they they call it Shower Glow, hmm. the world's first DHA infused body wash. So you know, DHA is that sunless tanner ingredient. It's uh, dihydroxyacetone. Exactly. Discovered actually by a nurse who was working with children who was who were taking DHA, and then when they would throw up, I guess they were sick children. <laughs> she got some on her leg, and, some, and her leg turned brown. Fascinating. That, I'm glad they they improved that delivery mechanism. <laughs> exactly. But Aviva Labs has has created this uh, body wash that has DHA infused in it, so it's supposed to make your uh, sunless tanner treatment last uh, a little bit longer. It says, last longer by up to three days. Oh, I mean, if it really works, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty skeptical of that. I mean, that the reaction doesn't... The DHA is, is water-soluble. The reaction is not going to happen that quickly. So it seemed to me that would just be washed away. But yeah, well, it's there, an interesting... There could be uh, some sort of uh, charged encapsulate. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting strategy. Hmm. Okay, so now we know, you know, how these actives are delivered from cleansers, and we give you an idea of which actives really work. So now let's talk about why you would want to get your actives from a cleanser rather than just using a leave-on product like a cream or a lotion, you know, because there are advantages as well as disadvantages to this approach. So the advantages of using a cleanser to deliver your actives um you know, it, first of all, there's improved convenience, right? I mean, if you can eliminate a step in your beauty process, for example, you know, applying sunscreen while you wash your face, that's great, right? I'd sign up for that. Um, the second advantage is that uh, you can enhance functionality. So if you can boost or strengthen a benefit by combining cleansing with a step, uh, let's say, for example, you're scrubbing your face to exfoliate it, and you can exfoliate it even better by using a cleanser that delivers an alpha hydroxy acid. Right? That would be uh, that would make the exfoliating scrub work better. So that would be a nice boost. And then the third advantage is you can eliminate a negative. So you know, for example, look at a, a, a dandruff shampoo. Right? You can you, you can deliver dandruff actives from a conditioner, but some people, especially guys, think that conditioners you know may leave their hair feeling too greasy or it may leave you know, junk on their scalp that makes the dandruff problem even feel flakier and itchier. So they don't like right. to use conditioners. So they can solve that problem of, of not liking conditioners by delivering the active from a shampoo. So, yeah. Uh, and, and speaking of guys, uh, you know, most guys don't want to do that extra step. Yeah. So, there, yeah, there's, so there's yeah, con certainly a convenience aspect as well. So, so when you think about that, it's like, wow, you know, I can, you know, it's more convenient and I get better functionality and I can eliminate some negatives. And that sounds great. I'm, I'm only going to use cleansers to deliver actives from now on. Right. Well, if you do that, there is a problem, of course. Um, you know, things are not uh, always so simple because, uh, first of all, there's definitely a reduction of performance. So anytime you're striving for a two-in-one, you're going to compromise the effectiveness of both the washing part and the, uh, the the moisturizing part. So um, it's I'm reminded of when I was working on the two-in-one shampoo projects where um, you could always we would do a test where you would make a shampoo you do a test where you do shampoo and then put conditioner on it versus a two-in-one shampoo you could always tell which one was conditioned uh, because it just worked better. 
Um, and so, so generally when you're going to use a cleanser and then a moisturizing product after, that works better than using a two-in-one. For sure. In, in, in that case of that um, uh, cleanser that delivers a sunscreen, you know, we actually looked at that technology several years back. And at the time, the best you could deliver was like an SPF of about a five. Now, I, I think they've increased it a little bit since then. But I mean, yeah, that, that's so low, it's, it's almost worthless. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, you know, you can do it. But to your point, that reduction in performance is, you know, is, is kind of devastating. Another disadvantage is that it makes it harder for you to pick products that really work. So it's hard to spot a cleanser that will really deliver what it says. So you have to really scrutinize a cleanser when it says it's going to deliver SPF. Uh, it, you know, it, it, but it's kind of a no-brainer when you have uh, when you buy an SPF product and that's specifically what it's going going to do. It will deliver. It, you know, if it's a specifically an SPF leave-on product, it's going to deliver your SPF. If it's a cleanser and it says it's going to do that, you don't really know. Yeah, good point. And then finally, it's going to increase the product cost typically because it it just costs it makes more expensive products. It's it's harder to make these products in production, especially if you're having some special delivery system. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to deliver, say, two percent something like sal acid from a cream, you would just put in two percent. But if you want to deliver that same two percent from a cleanser, you're going to have to put in more, maybe like five percent in there, yeah. um, just to get the proper things. And you may also have the more expensive delivery system, the encapsulation system. And, you know, you still may or may not deliver the optimum dose. So, you know, why are you paying more money for this product that actually does less? Right, right. So I guess to, to sum this up for Cindy, um, yes, you know, you can deliver, uh, under the right conditions, you can deliver actives from a cleanser. However, you're going to almost always compromise performance or you're going to pay a premium for it. So unless... You know, you have some personal reason that really drives that. Like, again, maybe it's convenience. In the case of a dandruff shampoo, I think it, it may be worthwhile. But in the case of a, an anti-aging facial product, you're probably going to be better off having your cleanser and having a separate product that's a, a leave-on to deliver the active. Right. And, and actually, some people go with both. So they'll have the cleanser that has the boost, and then they'll still leave the use the leave-on product. And, and I suppose the, you know, yeah, the only issue there is you may not be getting a, a measurable, you know, boost for your, the extra money you're spending on the product. But there's, there's probably no downside to doing that either. Right, exactly. So, all right. So there's the answer to Cindy's question. And if you'd like to read answers to more beauty questions, remember, you can still get our book, It's Okay to Have Lead in Your Lipstick. And answers to other beauty questions you're dying to know. And uh, that's available at just about any place you buy books online. And, of course, you can order a uh, hard copy through our website, and uh, Perry and I will autograph that for you. Yeah. Maybe we should do an audio version of the book. You mean uh, where we, like, read, take turns reading chapters or something? Well, we should probably hire somebody. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and of course we still have our Twitter feed. We get got lots of followers on Twitter, so if you want to follow us on Twitter and get more of your beauty question answered, you know, we we always do like to get questions from our the Twitterverse, as yeah, it were. And, and we're on Facebook as well, so you can follow us on social media and, and submit your questions that way as well. Yeah. All right. Well, Perry, that's uh, looks like we're at the end of another episode, and uh, you know that means it's uh, time for uh, another. 
battle over what our tagline is going to be. So, you know, I, I just, you know, we shouldn't quibble about this, right? I mean, really, who cares how we sign off the show as long as we're providing our audience with valuable information, right? So, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, rather than you and I argue about the tagline, I, I thought today I'd, I'd sign off the show by reading a new review of our podcast from iTunes. How does that sound? I, I like that. Okay. They don't say anything bad about me, do they? <laughs> well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll read this. And this All is right. uh, this is a review uh, from Priscilla uh, for the podcast. And, and she says, this is an amazing beauty podcast. It has easy language It's and it has funny and scientific approaches of how we can be brainy about our beauty. <laughs> ah, so you know what that means, huh? It's back on. <laughs> Well, that's excellent. I hope she doesn't mind that I use I use some thesaurus words today. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess it is. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and be brainy about your beauty. <laughs> Bye, everybody.